Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. A show dedicated to playing psychedelic music from parts of the spectrum, rock, pop, electronic, as well as garage and noise rock. Sundays, 5 to 6 p.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. Tune in every Tuesday from 8 till 9 p.m. for Inside Out with your hosts AJK and Zia for exciting new dance music. reporter listeners um i'm christine and welcome to another edition of the arts report at citr 101.9 fm broadcasting live from unceded musqueam territory at vancouver at the vancouver ubc campus um, on today's show we have an we have a we have a lot of stuff for you today. Um, we've got an interview with the director and producer of Vlaf Film, um, with the Vlaf Film, um, Crow's Nest. And we've also got a phone interview with a local Vancouver artist um, who goes by the name of Mickey Aurora. And we are going to be talking about some of the um, Vancouver Arts and Culture events lineup that's coming up this week and next week. Um, but it's not just me at the show today. Um, why don't I introduce the other sh- hosts we have for today's show? Hey, guys. It's me, Ashley. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's doing well. It's Andy. Ditto. Ooh, hey, Andy. Yeah. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to be playing for you guys the interview that I had with the director and producer of The Crow's Nest. Um, I will be playing that interview in just a few minutes after a couple PSAs. Thanks.
Hello, Arts Reporter listeners. Um, I do apologize for that um, technical malfunction. Um, just, just while we get the interview set up so that it properly plays, um, I am going to be, uh, Ashley is going to be talking about the upcoming BC Culture Days. Hi guys. Well, if you know me, I'm really interested in culture and how BC perceives it. Like, what do we kind of see as a Vancouver culture? What do we see as, you know, a specific culture belonging to a specific group? One thing I wanted to talk to you guys is the BC Culture Days. One thing about BC Culture Days is it is kind of, you know, prevalent in BC all around Vancouver. It is September 25th, 26th, 27th, and um, that is upcoming next week, starting on the Friday. And there's a lot of stuff to do around Vancouver. There's a lot, like, um, there's, I think there's some ballet, you know, classes. There's some art things. But one thing I'm really interested in going to see is a international Day of the Dead tour and exhibit in Granville Island. Now, that is on Sunday, September 27, 2015. It starts at 10 in the morning and ends at 7 p.m. You have a lot of artists coming from Mexico, Colombia, uh, Cuba, Australia, English, and Canada, of course, who will be showing all their kind of artwork and other sorts of kind of expressive material surrounding the International Day of the Dead. Um, One reason why I'm really interested in it is I actually have a friend who's living in Mexico, and she taught me kind of a little bit about Dia de los Muertos, though I want to kind of experience it, which is really cool that Vancouver is actually hosting it kind of, you know, right now. Of course, it's not going to be as authentic, but the people who are doing it, it is conceived by artist Ari de la Mora and is presented by the Granville Island Business and Community Association. So I have a feeling that the International Day of the Dead tour and exhibit on Granville Island is going to feature a lot more than just, you know, a little bit of decorative skulls and maybe people kind of, you know, perceive it from kind of a mainstream sort of view. So I'm really excited about that. And again, if you are interested, there's more things to do than just that. For me, I'm most interested in that. It is called BC Culture Days. You can see more on his website. It is bc.culturedays, that's all one word, dot ca. It is September 25th, 26th, 27th, and Again, there's a lot of things to do. Just search up what you are looking for and where you want where you want it, and you can uh, check it out. Again, it is BC Culture Days. Thank you, Ashley, for that um, lovely uh, preview of the upcoming BC Culture Days. And while we do um, get the hopefully the interview with the director and producer of the of the film Crow's Nest Up. Um, I will be talking to you about some of the other events that are happening. Um, yeah, sure, why not? Around I'm interested. Vancouver. Um. I know one thing that's happening uh, tomorrow is the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival. Yes, and, it, and we will actually be having a review of that festival next week, won't we? Yes, because I will be going to it. Again, it is tomorrow at the Vancouver Public Library Central Branch. That means... Uh, downtown at around 7 p.m. Um, one of the other events that is happening this Sunday, actually, um, is at the Cinematheque. And oh, really? What is it? 
They are going to be um, screening a um, the movie Adventures of Robin Hood, Ooh, uh, very okay. original that came out in 1938. So it'll be a good way to spend a family um, a family afternoon, I guess. Um, and it's happening this Sunday at 1 p.m. Um, at the Cinematheque. So be sure to, um, if you want tickets for that, just be sure to uh, make your way over. And that's like 1938, so it's kind of like all black and white, kind of like campy humor sort of thing, right? Yeah, and I mean, there's um, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, people from all different ages going mm-hmm. to the going to this event. So um, please feel free to. It's pretty cheap tickets too, so family friendly. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so. Please do feel free to uh, go see, check out the Robin Hood movie. Um, some of the other things that is happening is this Saturday, there is actually a performance by Jim Burns, who is a mm-hmm. true Canadian blues icon. Mm-hmm. Um, he has just come out with um, a couple new songs, and he will be performing them um, this Saturday. And what um, I'm going to do right now is play a song by him um, called The Sojourners and called The Sojourners. So um, please stay tuned for that. I'll be playing that um, right after a couple PSAs. Wait, I have a question. Where is he performing? Uh, he's going to be performing at the, let's see. He is going to be performing in downtown Vancouver, and mm-hmm. if you guys would like more um, details on that, please do um, check out the tickets for the event at www.ticketfly.com. Yeah, sounds like a good thing. A lot of stuff happening in downtown. Everyone yeah. should go check it out. show dedicated to playing psychedelic music from parts of the spectrum rock, pop, electronic, as well as garage and noise rock. Sundays, 5 to 6 p.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. For September's Discorder magazine, go to sea with Francesca Belcourt. I've been featuring articles on TV Ugly, Other Jesus, D-Wax Zine, Mesa Luna, Vivo, New Editions, and Jessica McQueen. Discorder is available around town at Vancouver venues, record stores, and more. Special thanks to this month's advertisers, Victory Square, Accordion Noir, Union Events, Neptune, Viv, Fringe, Recruit in Canada, The Rio, The Rickshaw, Vinyl Records, Project Space, Hastings Crossing Business Improvement Association, Live Van, and AMS Events.
lost alone together cast ashore in the land of the blessed what shall I remember how can I Lifted up our arms that night We all reached toward the sky And pledged to one another One heart, one love, one life Lost alone together Cast ashore in the land of the blessed What shall I remember? How can I forget How we struggled and how we strive How we loved, how we lied How we sang, Lord, how we cried How we lived How we died Until the tide came in Washed away a book of spells We found a sanctuary Protected from ourselves Lost alone together Cast ashore in the land of the blessed What shall I remember? How can I forget? Jim Burns. I liked it. Really soulful music. I can feel it. 
if you guys like the music, then please um, do check out his performance this Saturday. Um, we're going to be talking about a couple other events, um, and I believe that Andy, Andy, yes. you have um, an event to talk about. Kind of. No, I just have a comic book to talk about because oh. that's my thing now. I like your thing, Andy. Tell yeah. us more. I'll tell you later. You guys go first. What? Wait, wait do you have a thing? Okay, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So this is, <laughs> so this is, uh, this is Island. It's an anthology from Image Comics. Who are like getting a bit of heat over the last few years because they're the people who make these comics own the comics. It's not like superheroes, I guess. That's the thing. So Island is an anthology headed by um, Vancouver-based. Uh, comics hero not really but he's been kind of getting big for the last few years uh brandon graham and uh emma rios from spain who's done a lot of marvel comics work she did uh pretty deadly with kelly sue de Conic a mm -hmm. few years ago which i quite liked it's a supernatural western with uh, a lot of female characters so that's the thing so island is an anthology from image and it's interesting because it's like a hundred pages or something for eight bucks and comics these days are really really expensive you know especially if they're even shrink wrapped they're more expensive when they're, they're shrink wrapped aren't they yeah they yeah well i don't know i guess yeah they, yeah they are yeah they, they are, are. Yeah, yeah. if you open it it ruins the comic or something yeah. especially like, like hmm. from marvel it's like four bucks for like 20 pages you know i like marvel comics a lot i, I buy i buy a few of them but for for like four bucks 20 pages that's nothing man uh island is eight dollars in u.s which is a bit more in canadian dollars now rest in peace um <laughs> And it's like 100 pages. And the problem historically I've always had with the American anthologies is that American writers really never know how to write for the anthology format. You know, like the pages are just, they don't have enough pages to do what they would normally do. Island is great because, uh, at least the first issue, um, there's like three stories and they're like 20-something pages each. So it's like a full, mm -hmm. full, uh, full comic issue, like a regular one. And I really have a lot of faith in Brandon Graham as, like, a curator. He's an artist. He's a cartoonist, so he writes and he draws. Mm -hmm. The first issue has um, a continuation of his his long-delayed Multiple Warheads, which is a sex joke. Um, it has refers to male genitalia. Oh, no, really? Yes, yes, I, yes, I, yes. I didn't know that. But, Whoa, my mind is blown. But it has a continuation of, of Multiple <laughs> Warheads, and which is a great mm -hmm. road trip comic, a lot of fantasy elements to it. Just a guy, well, mainly a girl and his and her boyfriend, traveling to a kind of, kind of a fake Soviet Union. It's it's mm -hmm. really hard to describe, but it's, it's back in the first issue. It's great. Emma Rios has the first thing I've seen of her that she's written as well as drawn. Um, she's often just an artistic. She's just she's often just an artist in both her Marvel work and previous uh, image series. But the first one has uh, something called ID, which is super great. It's like a two tone red and black series, mm -hmm. and it has this uh, another one that I've never heard of. Some oh gosh. I should, I should look this up before I uh, start talking on, on That's air. That's okay. I, I wanted to ask. So the other one you said was red and black, right? So was that the color scheme for the entire kind Th of like Yeah, issue? yeah. It's like actually red and white and black. Is probably red, white, a, and black. Yeah. Excuse me. It's kind of a weird, trippy comic, but it's mm -hmm. visually you have to really pay attention to it to parse um, parse everything. It's really I great. See. That's cool. Yeah. So you guys should uh, check this out because it's great value. It's um, Even if you don't like a... One of the stories in the in the book, which is natural, it's an anthology. There's going to be stuff that hits, and there's stuff. Gonna, mm -hmm. Sorry, there's going to be stuff that misses. Um, I really do have faith uh, with Brandon Graham and Emma Rios as you know editors of this 
cool, cool, cool series. I have a question, and this is going to sound pretty, you know, newbie-ish, but because it's called Islands, do they have kind of like an island theme? What is, what is, what is Islands kind of, you know, curating? Like, what sort, yeah. of, sort of theme do they have? It's not really a theme, really. It's oh, just, okay. yeah, it's just like that's what's cool about it. There's no real theme. It's just people ah, that I these see. guys like their art mm-hmm. that wouldn't normally see print in a lot of uh, cases. So right? It's pretty independent. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. independent. Um, I think every single anthology is also owned by the creator which is also fairly rare oh yeah Yeah, so i think there might have been some financial backing from a rich mysterious donor involved i'm not sure about kickstarter (laughs) mysterious rich donor named kickstarter yeah (laughs) okay well that's really interesting yeah thank you for that review um it seems like a comic that um it's definitely (laughs) thought-provoking Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's just uh, you just look at fun, it and you go like, "Oh, stuff. this is this is really visually appealing." Just drink it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, on top of the comic, there's also um, a couple other arts events slash music slash books that you should that everyone should really um, take take some time to appreciate. Look, you know, to, yeah. look through. You don't have to think too deeply about it. Just feel the aesthetic pleasure, kind of go about you you go yes this is nice art i enjoy this more exactly i mean there are some events if you are into um kind of in the mood for deeper thought um there's a lecture by the executive director mm-hmm. um dr anthony shelton on cos- on hu- on huchel cosmology um which oh sorry what was that again uh, Hushul Cosmology, which Hushul is a, Cosmology. And, and that is an indigenous group from Mexico. Ah, um, it's going to be part of the Mexico Fest. Um, if you are around the UBC campus, you're going to see display cases um, surrounding this in Irving K. Barber. Actually, that's actually I didn't know that. That's actually really cool. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, so it's <laughs> going to be happening next Tuesday at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. at the UBC Museum of Anthropology. Um, so please do. Um, if you are a student especially, take advantage of um, a really cool event that's happening right on campus. Um, and another fun, I guess, uh, music, musical artist tidbit, um, there is a metal band called New Disorder um, who has just come out with a uh, new full-length release um, music video and album. Um People can get this album starting from this Friday, um, and you can pre-order it right now on iTunes and Amazon. Um, To tell you guys a little bit about New Disorder, uh, New Disorder features an outstanding mix of rock, metal, and punk genres flowing in a unique, solid sound made by fast drumming, powerful, powerful guitar riffs, and catchy melodies. So just to give you guys a taste of what New Disorder sounds like, um, it may not be your thing, but it's still um, it's still good to try, yeah, try you know, listening to new things. I, I think it's always good to be open to kind of, you know, things you haven't, you know, really, you know, experienced. You know, if you never tried it, if you never tried it before, then you can't really know if you hate it or if you like it. That's what I always think. So I always try everything. Exactly. And actually right after, um, so I'm going to be playing uh, their new single, A Senseless Tragedy. Um, but, and that is obviously by New Disorder, the rock slash metal slash punk band. Um, but right after it, um, I'm going to be playing a song by Ramon Ortiz. And I'll be um, talking a little bit about him and what he's been doing with his musical mm-hmm. career um, right after. So 
um, enjoy these next two songs and hopefully there's something in it that you can enjoy. reporter listeners welcome back. welcome back and that was new disorder a senseless tragedy please do check out their new album and while i did promise that uh, you would be listening to a little bit of ramon ortiz ramon <laughs> um i actually have our guest to our um primary guests on today's show mickey aurora a vancouver a local vancouver artist on the phone um t- for a live phone interview hi mickey Hi, Christine. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Welcome, um, welcome. 
for giving us the time. Um, I guess my first question is, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, the kind of artwork that you create? Yeah, totally. Well, I'm a visual artist working primarily in video art and also found object art. I work in a few other mediums as well, but those are the ones that I'm most inspired by at the moment. And um, my work is about divulging different female archetypes that are found in contemporary society and how they act as representative of the dark undercurrents that are pervading modern Western culture. That's really interesting because as I was looking at your um, portfolio online, um, there were a lot of pieces that I could definitely um, see was um, trying to talk about... uh, female archetypes in today's society, like uh, the right. art piece that I saw that was labeled as the Whore of Babylon flesh and the Whore of Babylon water. Do you mind yeah. just um, talking a little bit about why this topic is just so um, interesting to you and why it's so prevalent in the art that you produce? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Whore of Babylon series was inspired by my modern interpretation of the ancient biblical figure mm-hmm. of the Antichrist known as the Whore of Babylon. And her status as the Antichrist um, is a position of power, obviously given such a heavy title mm-hmm. in the Bible. And because it alludes to power, I find that the juxtaposition between that power with the kind of denigration that the the name of the whore implies mm-hmm. to be the kind of sweet spot wherein I create the work for the series. And um, so about the specific pieces that you mentioned, uh, The Whore of Babylon Flesh is a performance art piece, and I'm sure you saw you saw the piece on my website, as you were saying. And so it's about bringing awareness to the extreme forms of objectification of the female body that exist in our society Um, objectifying treatment from anything minor, as well as to extreme things such as rape. Mm. And um, there are words written on my back. Sometimes you sacrifice your body because it is the only thing you've got left. And these are an allusion to the idea that the process of doing the performance itself is putting my body in a vulnerable and objectifiable position. Um, For those that have not seen the work, it's me lying nude except for underwear and black stilettos on the gallery floor, uh, flanked on either side with giant legs of ham. And so that vulnerability is what is, uh, that vulnerability is uh, like a dangerous position to be in. You know, I don't know if anyone's going to come up and touch me. Like, I really don't know what's going to happen when I'm doing the performance. That vulnerability is like the sacrifice that I'm alluding to with the words written on the back of my body. And that sacrifice is what turns the art into this spiritual act, wherein the body, my own body, becomes like a ritual slaughter, a sacrifice of meat laid upon a table to offer up in a spiritual, in a spiritual way, like as a, as a sacrifice. Right. One, one thing I noticed, sorry to interrupt, one thing I noticed is that you mentioned that the words are on your back. I thought that was a really poignant part of your image that, you know, the bearer can't, you know, even see the words that's on the, you know, that's on the back of her that's denoting what she is. I thought that was um, right. really powerful. I like that kind of, I guess, um, hidden symbolism. I appreciate that feedback. And um, just to talk a little bit about how you started um, your art career, um, where where did you find, I guess, um, most of your inspiration for these pieces? And was your... 
career as a Vancouver artist at any all, at a, in any way influenced by the fact that you um, that the fact that you are a local Vancouverite? Did anything in the in the city or the culture of the city um, kind of impact either the either the message of your works or the I guess how much um, resources you had to create these works? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I definitely think that Vancouver is a city with like a history of activism and insurrection. Mm -hmm. And it's a very inspiring environment to be in for that reason. You know, there's a lot of people that support these uh, feminist movements. And there's a lot of like-minded thinkers and like very progressive people in Vancouver. So I've definitely felt that my practice has really been fostered by like a community of friends. Whereas in other cities where you go, it's not so clearly defined as being like an activist city. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that about living here. Right. And how, where do you think that um, you're hoping to go with um, some of the artworks that haven't yet been completed yet, but you're working on right now? Um, Do you think that you're going to stay in this um, video, I guess, um, visual art field? Or do you find yourself heading more towards big um, short film productions? Or, um, yeah, tell us about kind of, Uh, where you see yourself heading at all. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I definitely feel that my work in video art has been a great precursor to moving on to projects involving a longer, like, short film pieces, as you were saying. So that's definitely an area that I'm really excited to be delving into. I mean, I've started laying the foundation for uh, prospective pieces, so I definitely would encourage everyone staying tuned for that. It's going to be super exciting. And um, also, I've started working on more um, performance art. Uh, There's one interactive, larger-scale performance art piece that I'll be conducting that's coming up in Vancouver that will involve uh, all of the audience members participating. So, yeah, it's it's exciting for sure. That is really exciting. And is that following (laughs) the same kind of, uh, you know, what you want to do with the female archetype, or is that a different subject altogether? It'll definitely play off of the themes that mm-hmm. I've been uh, divulging in my oeuvre, um, specifically the theme of the wounded feminine and oh, that okay. sort of broken lost girl archetype. Mm-hmm. But going a bit deeper into like the emotional uh, state and the psychological suffering of that individual and hopefully creating a cathartic experience for all of the members that are participating in the audience. Mm-hmm. And. For yourself, you know, with things like the Vancouver International Film Festival happening, um, Fringe Festival, um, et cetera, et cetera, with these kind of uh, funded groups that try and help local Vancouver artists get their um, artwork known, have you, what are kind of the um, difficulties that you faced as an artist um, kind of making your way in the art career? And what are the positives of having all these resources or these um these these arts events like such a vibrant i guess arts scene here in vancouver um to get your name known well i think that the positive and negatives just kind of outweigh each other in terms of just like having the resources available and so and i feel grateful that there are these kinds of opportunities in our city Mm -hmm. and so yeah, I mean, like, they're pretty much just there if you take them, so. 
That's great. Um, Mickey, I just want to thank you very much for uh, talking to us about your artwork and also about um, kind of what you're working on um, in the future. And uh, we ho do hope that we can um, have you back on our show too when you are, uh, when you have new pieces to um, kind of present. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Christine. So sweet of you. Yeah. Um, we will, for all of our listeners, if you want to uh, find out more about uh, Mickey Aurora, we will be posting up her portfolio website on our Facebook page. So please uh, mm -hmm. look out for that. Check we it out. Give us a like. <laughs> give her a like. Yes. Um, we will be playing a couple PSAs before we head back on air. But thank you again, Mickey. Thank you. Bye. World and I and I and I'm, I'm I have great sympathy for for the the trials and tribulations and about fashion. We asked CITR student executive and fashion expert Jonathan Q what fashion means to him. Like it's just aesthetically something that's so ostentatious. Typically, typically. I mean, because of course, I mean, it's also you know, I mean, when when you say fashion, I think people are talking explicitly about uh, consumerism as opposed to someone who buys like. Uh, like, you know, if you really want to know more about fashion, come on down to CITR in the Student Union Building of UBC and pick up some of our merchandise à la mode. Nous avons t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, and coffee mugs. But it's also very aesthetically gripping. To keep you styling in support of the station you love. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Well, actually, is it? Because, I mean, you know, I was going to say because of the cultural vacuum that we exist within, but then, you know, uh, really, fashion today is kind of derived from the European idea of couture, and that's been around for centuries. On Saturday, September 26th, Seattle indie rock band Chastity Belt are playing at the Biltmore Cabaret. With guests Le Chaussette and Strange Wilds, Chastity Belt is on tour to support their new album, Time to Go Home, on Harley Art Records. This is an early show. Doors at 7 p.m., curfew at 11 p.m. Tickets are $12 in advance and available online at ticketweb.ca. Tickets are also available at Red Cat Records and Zulu Records. Sponsored by CITR. On Saturday, September 26th, Seattle indie rock band Chastity Belt are playing at the Biltmore Cabaret with guests Le Chaussette and Strange Wilds. Chastity Belt is on tour to support their new album, Time to Go Home, on Harley Art Records. This is an early show. Doors at 7 p.m., curfew at 11 p.m. Tickets are $12 in advance and available online at ticketweb.ca. Tickets are also available at Red Cat Records and Zulu Records. Sponsored by CITR.
Welcome back to the Arts Report. Um, I hope you guys all liked that interview uh, with Mickey. Um, what we have next on our show is just a couple other uh, fun things to do in Vancouver um, or fun things to check out related to Vancouver. It seems like our show today will be a lot of promotions and a lot of um, exhortations Local to... Flair. Yes, Local to, Flair. Yes. Local Flair. Appreciate, I guess, more of what Vancouver has to offer offer in terms of um, arts and culture. So that being said, there is going to be an architectural design open house happening next Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Canadian Canoe Museum. Doors open at 5.30 and at this event you can meet the architects that um, are presenting their designs um, and you will be engaging in, I guess, some of the most um, modern and contemporary uh, designs um, that Vancouver has to offer. Um, so there, one of the uh, one of the I guess structures of the event mm -hmm. is that there's going to be live presentations from the architectural firms. I wonder if they there. have like little mini models of the places they're going to make like make or something. They probably will and there is going to be an opportunity to actually meet the architects, ask some questions about um, the design and mm -hmm. the concept that they created. So um, regardless of whether or not uh, people are into the arts, this is um, something that even I think engineers on campus too would be um, interested in. There's going to be several architectural firms, and each firm is going to have about 15 minutes to present their plans, and there's going to be a two-minute Q&A for each firm that presents. So it's a pretty lengthy piece of time to be able mm -hmm. to, um, I guess, understand what the next step is in the architectural field. I'm really, um, I'm actually really excited about that, that you mentioned it. I'm more interested in how people are going to build more kind of like you know, eco homes, like, you know how they have, like, like, green walls or whatever, so, like, the wall is covered in, like, plants that, you know, they can grow on the wall. I know, I know. I've never I, heard of that before. It's, it's true. They, they have it in, like, other cities in which they have these, like, tall buildings, but some of the panels that they have for the outside are covered in plants. So, like, this plant kind of, like, wall thing provides, like, you know, like, a shelter for some birds or it provides, like, food or whatever and also looks really nice and whatever. So I'm kind of excited about how we as a human, you know, we as a human species have to be more kind of, you know, ecologically friendly when we're making, you know, housing, especially housing. And I'm really happy to hear about your enthusiasm, Ashley, because even <laughs> if you guys can't make it to this event in person, you can actually watch the entire event online. So you don't actually need to be there either. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's great if you are, but if you can't make it for any reason, um, you can check out the presentations live as they happen on the Canadian Canoe Museum's YouTube channel. Um, so I will be sure to put up a link for that when mm -hmm. the event is happening so everybody who is interested can actually be following up on the event. That sounds cool. Now, um, kind of going along with our bits and pieces of different Vancouver artists. Um, so we showed you um, smooth jazz in the beginning of the film oh, and cool. we moved on to a little bit of punk metal rock and now I'm going to be talking to you guys about a guitar virtuoso um, whose name is Ramon Ortiz. Um, he was 
He was originally discovered um, on an international scale during his successful stints with revered Latin American metal groups called Puya and Acla. Um, Portal is Ortiz's second solo full-length release. And if any of you fans who already know about Roman, uh, Ramon um, can actually access um, the, the solo um, through iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, some... Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Ramon Ortiz's career. Um, he has he has a a very focus, like a big focus on um, fusing together different musical genres. Oh, okay. His music ranges mm-hmm. um, from Latin American rhythmic instrumentation um, to classic guitar um, technique and everything in between. So um, currently Ortiz is, um, currently he's uh, sponsored by the Seymour Duncan, but um, I do believe that he will be, um, he will be um, going around Canada to do a tour. So be sure to um, keep your eye out for him. Yeah, especially if he's going to be coming around, you know, BC area, Vancouver. It's always really nice to see somebody who can do all that kind of, you know, different genres of music. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's definitely um, he's definitely making his name a lot more known now. Um, and I think that he will be a artist to look out for. Um, in yeah, especially coming. if you enjoy uh, guitar music. Yeah, exactly. And so just so you guys can get a taste of what his music sounds like, um, I will be playing Cruising Time by Ramon Ortiz.
And that was Cruising Time by Ramon Ortiz. And as we were talking about earlier on in the show with the um, with the VLAF interview that uh, we wanted to play and wasn't working before, it's actually working now. So How ironic. I know. So we'll give you um, a little taste of what that sounds like and we'll put up the rest um, either on the we'll put up a link to the mm -hmm. full interview on the Facebook page so you guys can still check it out and listen to it on your own time mm -hmm. I recommend it of the movie Malacrianza and Arturo Menendez I'm the writer director of Malacrianza Malacriaza is the crow's nest, I believe. Can both of you tell me what the crow's nest is about? What's the story? The crow's nest is a film about Don Cleo, a uh, humble piñata seller, who one day is put into the test of um, finding a, uh, a note of extortion under his door where they asked for $500 in 72 hours. For him, $500 is a lot of money uh, that he doesn't have, so he comes into this quest of looking for 500 bucks. And when he sees that he's, um, uh, he has no other choice because nobody could give it that money, uh, he, come, he goes and confronts who he believes uh, are the authors of the of the of the extortion note, and for with when he does this, he surprises something really really big. Now keep in mind that uh, he has 72 hours to pay it, and if he doesn't, he will be killed. Will be killed. And now this is based on a true story of various true stories of a situation right now taking place, and particularly in El Salvador, but in some places in Central America. So this was a story that a while back was told to um, Arturo, and Arturo then uh, took the story that it was told by a person that came to him and sort of confided in him, look, I got the story of what happened, and I'm about to leave the country. I'm about to go to the U.S. because I just don't want to be part of this whole craziness. Mm -hmm. And so this is a story that is kind of sort of a, a reminiscent of, of, of various little small towns where the poorest towns are being more affected by this. And uh, so it's a true story based on situations where the people, if they don't pay within the X hours, 72 hours in this case, they will be killed. And so and now this Don Cleo is, is faced with this predicament. He realizes that, you know, it's life or death and he has to find that money only to get into bigger and bigger problems trying to raise those $500. And just to put it into perspective, $500 for him would be... Uh, the equivalent of somebody here in Vancouver having 72 hours to pay a $25,000, uh, you know, ransom, uh, because you know that's sort of the amount of money that you that you would have to raise in 72 hours to get paid if it was Vancouver, let's say, right, just right. to make a comparison. That really puts things in perspective because I had no idea that this was a true story, and you know, the shocking contrast of $500 there is $25,000 here um, puts a lot of weight. Um, onto the story, but I did see on the um, film summary on Vlad that there was humorous aspects to this film. Yeah. Um, could you talk about why that's there and what kind of effects do the does the humor have on such a such a serious story? Yeah, I think it's a dark comedy. You know, it's it's a black comedy because um, it's that's something. I think it's a really sad 
thing, you know, for, for this old man, because he's an old man, uh, to be after $500 and all the things that he gets, all the trouble he gets in. And I think that if, if it was not for the humor, the film won't have the effect that it has on the people at the end. I think people at the end, um, they like the film or they love it uh, because of these little aspects of, of uh, like, um, how do you call it? like little uh, shine of um, humor. Uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, if not, it will be just a big, huge drama, you know? And, you know, it's the idiosyncrasies of this old man trying to figure it out. His, is he going to die or, or is he going to figure a way out of the situation? So the comedy is not, of course, ha-ha-ha comedy, you know. <laughs> of course. So, the, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the comedy comes is what it would be, I guess, considered more like situation comedy, meaning this guy is, is, is in a, on, on a live-or-die sort of situation. And so... He's a he's a quirky character based on again on a true character, and so the character itself it's it's kind of comedic, mm-hmm. kind of Don Quixote-ish, very yeah. you know this guy battling you know I mean we're missing Sancho Panza there you know <laughs> his compadre, which but you know it would be like Don Quixote alone. Dun, <laughs> and when you guys were producing and directing and writing this, how did you guys see yourself in the main character, Don Cleo? Did you relate to him in many aspects? Because I know that both of you guys are El Salvadorians? Yes. Yes, you are. So, I mean, how did you guys relate? I think we can all be related to Don Cleo just because uh, uh, a thing of... Uh, you know, survival. I think that everybody can can be related to to him. Uh, a Salvadorian, yeah. There's some really cultural aspects that we all can be related to, and in his language or 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 his actions. I'm so sad. You have to cut it short. I am sad too, Ashley. But it's okay because you can hear the full um, interview um, through the link that we post up on on Facebook. What? Wonderful. Everyone should do that right now. Maybe not right now. But later. <laughs> Everyone should do that later. When we put it up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you everybody um, for listening to the Arts Report. Please do tune in, tune in again next week. Mm-hmm. Um, for the next show, we have Sharing Science. It will be a fun show about LEDs. Great. I think they've done that show before. That's okay. <laughs> this September 17 to 20th, Rifflandia Festival will transform Victoria, B.C., featuring a diverse lineup of artists across numerous stages and pop-up venues, all within walking distance in the city's beautiful and historic downtown core. Night, 